Our next story, beloved listener, is one of international intrigue, one that uh, caught the art world by surprise, although perhaps it shouldn't have. It involved uh, a number of the world's major galleries, including notable examples here in Australia, and ultimately led to the return of millions of dollars of Indian antiquities. It involves one Subhush Chandra Kapoor and various associates. He was an art dealer extraordinaire in New York, fated, respected amongst uh, lovers of artefacts, made a lot of money. But these days, he's spending his time reflecting in a cell in Tamil Nadu. His story is one that raises questions about how galleries around the world are responding to issues of provenance, cultural significance and traditional ownership and has forced collectors to think twice about buying that next treasured piece. Willful ignorance no longer cuts it. Now here to tell us the tale about this extraordinary fellow, art dealer by day, idle thief by night, is Sushmita Patak. She's an independent radio and print journalist, very good credentials, based in uh, Hyderabad in India, and she's making her debut on our little wireless program for you tonight. Welcome to the program. Who is this extraordinary fellow? Where did he come from? And how did he get to be a big shot in New York? So Subhash Chandra Kapoor was originally from India. His his family settled in Jalandhar, Punjab in India after partition. And uh, a few years after that, his father started dealing in manuscripts and paintings. And he opened a art gallery. He opened an art gallery in New Delhi. So that is where Subhash got his, um, you know, start in the art world. He re- he learned the ropes of the art world in his father's shop. And in 1974, when he was in his 20s, he moves to the US, to New York. And uh, shortly after that, he opens his own art gallery there, Art of the Past, as it was called. And um, this is on the on the very posh Madison Avenue, isn't it? Yes, yes, on Madison Avenue. And he starts, at first he's dealing in uh, miniature paintings, um, terracotta artifacts, small stuff. Um, but he he becomes, uh, he, he rises in the art world pretty, uh, pretty quickly. He makes these big donations to museums. Um, he's literally giving away these artifacts as gifts to them. And so he becomes very well known. And by the mid 1990s, um, he's dealing with uh, huge galleries like the Art Gallery of New South Wales, the Met- Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. So he he becomes very quickly, very well known. And he's sitting and drinking wine and having steaks with uh, some of the biggest names in the art world. Now, he uh, starts to cook up his plan to hatch his scheme to smuggle, to smuggle significant artefacts. Who got involved? So authorities believe that this scheme started sometime in 1986 or around that time. And um, he has uh, these local contacts in, in the countries where he operates. So um, from which who help him source these sculptures or artifacts. Um, 
And one of them is Sanjeevi Ashokan um, from Tamil Nadu. Now, Sanjeevi Ashokan was uh, had a, had his own uh, art gallery in Chennai, in Tamil Nadu. And uh, what they essentially do is um, they hire goons, um, your local, um, their local henchmen. They 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 hire them to go uh, into these really old temples that are in ruins that are in really remote parts of the country where no one's really paying attention to them and they're you know uh, in various states of disrepair so so the the goons go at night and they um they pick the lock of the temple very easily they they take the idols inside and then they glue the lock back together so that no one uh, from the outside, it looks as if it's closed. No one's going to notice. Uh, is it, is so it they, true that they sometimes left uh, crude copies? Uh, yes, yes, sometimes they did. And um, it sometimes it took the the locals years before they realized that the that the idols were actually missing. Um, so so that's how they they took the idols then and and what Sanjeevi Ashokan did was he made copies of the idols and often he um he he would mix the real idols with the fake ones and he would and he would ship all of it together so um he would ship the fake ones and the real ones together and he would obtain um and he would label them as handicrafts and so um or like garden furniture uh, garden marble furniture, something like that. And um, since there is a big uh, industry like that in India, no one would, um, you know, suspect, uh, no one would, uh, you know, bother or think twice about what was in them. And, of course, and India has an, such an ongoing tradition of creating images of these familiar ancient gods. Right, right. And so, um, and a lot of times what Ashokan and Subhash Kapoor did was they they would route their shipments uh, through various locations. So if, if suppose they wanted to send it from uh, Mumbai to uh, New York, they would first send it to Hong Kong, then to London, and then to New York. So that, you know, um, if, if there was someone in the US who was monitoring shipments from India, they would... Uh, they would not be easily identifiable. So to fool the authorities, that's one thing that they did. And, and once these were in the US, uh, Subhash Kapoor would cook up these fake provenance letters, fake ownership letters. So he would have, um, uh, and these provenance letters were like really short a lot of times, like just like four or five sentences saying that um, such and such idol was, um, it was with the family of such and such diplomat until 1971, um, uh, that it was bought before 1971. And this was crucial because in 1972, India had um, strengthened its laws about, uh, strengthened its laws about taking um, ancient idols or artifacts out of the country. So if a museum was if, if a museum had a letter saying that the idol had been um, had been with someone before that, then it was OK. That it had been taken out of the country before that, then it was OK. In this area of provenance, can't we see a pattern of willful ignorance amongst the uh, the galleries that were his clients? Right. Yes. A lot of uh, a lot of activists who are uh, working on this say that, you know, um, 
the the museums really did not do due, due diligence. Um, and one reason for that with Subhash Kapoor's case was that because he was so well known, um, like people really took his word and they did not question his word at all. They did not do the the, the homework that they were supposed to do when taking something from him. And, um, you know, this is something that um, uh, law enforcement officials told me that he was a very smooth talker, like he was very polite. He was a gentleman when you spoke to him. And um, he did not fit the, uh, what you would say, he, he did not fit the ideal uh, or the stereotypical um, image of a smuggler or um, he he would he he was able to get his way like that. He was a smooth talker. And, and by the mid nineties, he's doing he's doing very big business with well, great institutions like the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and indeed our own Art Gallery of New South Wales. Right, right. the The Art Gallery of uh, New South Wales um, between nineteen ninety four and two thousand four, um, they they acquired uh, six six pieces of art from him from his gallery, um, and one of this was uh, a sculpture of Ardhanarishwara, which was purchased in two thousand four, um, uh, which is a, a temple in um, from a temple in Tamil Nadu, and um, they. Uh, yeah, so they've had six, they've had a, a, a long association with him. And so has the uh, National Gallery of Australia. Um, well, the, the, they, when, when, the, when the scandal broke, of course, it was a huge embarrassment to those yeah. uh, particular Australian galleries. But they, they tried their best, did they not, to make restitution? They did. So in um, the, the Yard Gallery of New South Wales uh, voluntarily returned the, the Ardhanarishwara sculpture that I mentioned uh, in 2014. So that's back in India. And uh, just last year, they've also deaccessioned um, at least three other sculptures. So that means they've officially removed them from their exhibits and are preparing to return them. And the NGA who uh, had paid, I think, something like five million US dollars for that marvellous Shiva as Lord of the Dance, that was also repatriated. That's right. Yeah, they 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 had paid five million US dollars for the Nataraja statue, which is the Shiva in the dancing form with the with the circle of flames around him, and um, they uh, they have returned. They let me just check: have they returned it, or are they in the process um, of returning? Uh, but they have the the NGA has returned more than a dozen artifacts, and that includes like sculptures, paintings, portraits. Um, uh, since since all of this broke, um, and the gallery also sued Subhash Kapoor for for that. Uh, for, for those sales, including the Nataraja statue. And, and that was a, a really big development in the artwork. How did things start to unravel for this charming villain? So it um, it happened, there were there were a couple of parallel uh, threads in this in this whole uh, unraveling. Um, one was in India and the other was in the US. So in India, um, the, the state of Tamil Nadu has a police force called the Idol Wing, uh, which specifically um, works on um, idol theft and antiquities theft. And they had been uh, investigating Kapoor and his network. And um, they when they after they arrested Ashokan, um, they started um, they started gathering evidence linking him to Subhash Kapoor. 
And um, but I think here um, we also uh, and here they and here the idol police, the idol force, um, uh, the idol wing um, had a very surprising ally in their investigation, which which is a group of volunteers um, called the India Pride Project. So I'll just tell you about them for a bit and then uh, how they helped this investigation. So the India Pride Project is a group of volunteers uh, based all over the world who are, um, you know, history enthusiasts, art enthusiasts, cultural uh, enthusiasts. And um, they have organized themselves. They they scour the um, the websites and the brochures of my, of museums online and to figure out which idols may have uh, may have gotten there illegally or may have been stolen and then they um uh reference them with the 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 idols that are missing in india and try to help law enforcement try to help the police here in making those connections um and so um the uh, one of the leaders of them of their group uh, vijay kumar who is a shipping executive uh by profession he gets an anonymous tip um in 2010 saying that you know there's a pair of statues that are going to go on sale in in manhattan and that they've been stolen and so vijay kumar and his uh, group of volunteers gets to work trying to figure out uh, where these statues have come from and um they they find uh this temple in tamil nadu where these statues were taken from and it was uh not not very long ago that were taken that they were taken and um, so that link is made, that link with uh, the statues that were stolen, um, linked with Subhash Kapoor. And so um, they, they take this evidence to the police. And at the same time, the police are also approached by Subhash Kapoor's uh, ex-girlfriend <laughs> in Singapore. Uh, so um, the the couple were used to do business uh, together once, but then they had a they broke up and they had a uh, they, they had a lawsuit which the girlfriend lost um, over over some of the statues, uh, some of the idols, interestingly. And so she um, she tips uh, she gives a tip to the Indian police saying that um, you know Subhash Kapoor is about his activities and he she also gives them a photograph of Subhash Kapoor and uh, they use that to uh, they they issue uh, an issue uh, an order goes out um, at Interpol and then uh, Subhash Kapoor is arrested in uh, when at an airport in Germany and this is in 2011 so it's it was a culmination of a lot of different things and um, so finally they have him and he's extradited to India and um, he's been in jail in India ever since. And um, so look, tell you about in this. a sense, there's a happy ending to this because internationally now, people, galleries, private collectors have to be much more careful and uh, museums have to check provenance more thoroughly. Right, right. There's been a lot of awareness about this, and museums, in general, are are getting more um, strict in terms of you know what kind of uh, artifacts they accept. Um, but activists would tell you that it's still not enough, um, and even the uh, the charges against um, Subhash Kapoor. Um, if you ask the 
if you ask Vijay Kumar, for example, the volunteer, he would say that um, he's, Subhash Kapoor has got 10 years in prison. Um, he would say that's not enough. Vijay Kumar says that's not enough. And he says it. it's only um, no other country. So Subhash Kapoor, um, his network was not just in India. It was in Pakistan. It was in Nepal. It was in uh Cambodia, so many other countries, but it's uh, but none of those countries have taken any legal action against him, at least not yet. And so, um, so a lot of people would say that you know he got away with uh, less. Um, there should be more action against this. But yes, it has it has uh, led to a lot of awareness and a lot of uh, there's been uh, provenance has become. Uh, more stricter now and uh, there's been a steady trickle of artifacts back to their home countries and which is which is a big win i've got a report here from the nga who told us that uh, quote following this action along with the repatriation of works in 2014 2016 and 2019 the National Gallery will no longer hold any works acquired through Kapoor in its collection. The Gallery has introduced a new provenance assessment framework that considers available evidence about the legal and ethical aspects of a work of art's history. And, of course, this has to be applied not only across Indian antiquities, but antiquities everywhere. Right, right. This has to be done for... Uh for for antiquities from anywhere because this story has repeated itself in in much of south and southeast asia um africa and and those countries uh and and subhash kapoor's uh the the artifacts from his loot have started returning to those countries as well um just last year uh pakistan received a a, a new bunch of um, artifacts that were looted from there. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is it is leading to some change. You tell a fascinating and finally encouraging story, and I'm most grateful for your time. My guest has been Sushmita Patak, independent radio and print journalist, based in uh, Hyderabad in India. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.